السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته أعوذ بالله السميع من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين ولا عاقبة للمتقين اللهم صلي وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا so uh, inshallah ta'ala today um, I wanted to reflect a bit on obviously what, what many people are seeing coming out of uh, Minnesota but I wanted to sort of step back and give this a Quranic framing and uh, really help us understand through the lens of the Quran the way that we deal with these types of situations beyond just you know the uh, the general statements about justice and the uh, the sin of racism and murder and brutality and all that comes from that but really trying to understand deeply how the Quran teaches us to deal with a situation like this where we see uh, murder and when we see particularly state sanctioned murder or murder that is repetitive um, coming out of a singular system and what are some things that we can take uh, from the Quran to understand this and before I go any further uh, speaking about this inshallah um, I, I know that Islah LA um, is doing something to, today inshallah so I shared it on Instagram I know that they're doing something in a few hours, and um, I think it would be important for all of us to tune in and to uh, hear uh, what um, you know our imams and various activists have to say about the current situation and how we can deal with the situation. But um, it is important for us to really have a spiritual framing beyond just the devastating impact of watching yet another video of a modern-day lynching, police lynching, the way that we see with George Floyd. And it's unacceptable for us to simply once again say, you know, it's unfortunate, it's a mistake, it shouldn't have happened. But, you know, these are these are the types of things that happen in this line of work and there's nothing that we can do about it. Um, I think that it's also extremely faulty for a person to step in and to express a greater sense of outrage over uh, property damage and looting and things that happen in the wake of this um, or, you know, the extreme uh, forms of the reaction because to paint the entire protest as rioting has implications and then to speak about uh, just one element of it has implications. I think that it's also uh, unjust to the situation. And so I wanted us to just pull back and to reflect on five verses of the Quran that speak about, um, you know, justice and, and particularly the the, the darkness of the injustice that covers a society when murder of this regard at the hands of the state is, uh, is glossed over and is not dealt with properly. And so I, the first thing is just to speak about how the gravity of one murder can really shift a current, both in terms of its laws and in terms of its society, if people deal with it in a proper way. And this is something that we even find from the Qur'an. You'll see that there is a, a frequent quote from the Qur'an that whoever saves one life, it is as if he has saved all of mankind. And that is taken from Surah Al-Ma'idah. And Surah Al-Ma'idah does not just introduce this ayah, does not just introduce this verse out of nowhere. It actually introduces it coming out of the story of Cain and Abel, the story of Qabir and Habib, where Allah tells us about how one brother murders another brother the first murder in the history of mankind. And he murders his brother not because of not because of something that the brother did wrong, but because of an insecurity within himself, because his sacrifice was not accepted. And the only way that he felt like he could assert his uh, his power 
was to take his brother's life, was to murder his brother. Not to say to Allah, why was my sacrifice not accepted in that? What can I do to make my sacrifice accepted? But instead to kill his brother. And that is something that, you know, I'll probably elaborate on in a, in a future time. But, but usually when a person uh, commits these types of acts, they have problems with themselves more than they have with the world around them. And so they project their own insecurities on the world around them. And in this situation where you have one brother, the first murder in mankind, one brother who murders his brother, who did no wrongdoing, who did nothing to deserve to be killed, Allah then introduces, min ajli katabna ala bani Israel. It was because of that that we prescribed on Bani Israel that whoever kills one person, not in retaliation of murder or injustice, uh, but or to spread mischief in the land, it would be as if he killed all of mankind, and whoever saves one life, it is as if he saves all of mankind. So, من قتل نفساً بغير نفساً أو فساد فساد في الأرض فكأنما قتل الناس جميعاً ومن أحياها فكأنما أحيا الناس جميعاً. That whoever kills one person, not in retaliation of murder or or the spreading of mischief in land, but uh, it would be as if that person killed all of mankind and whoever saves one life, it would be as if he saved the life of all of mankind. And subhanAllah, what you see here is an entire uh, law, uh, that entire laws can come out of one murder, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says he prescribed this on the children of Israel, arising out of this incident, arising out of what happened here, that murder of one person, in injustice is like the murder of all of mankind is like killing all of mankind and to save one life is like saving all of mankind so the gravity of one murder here is able to uh, dictate or transitions in the uh, the discourse of the quran from just the murder of one person to how an entire nation is then given a law of justice on how to deal with murder uh, particularly when it comes to unjust, uh, the unjust killing of someone who had nothing, you know, who, who did not do anything that was deserving of such uh, of such a, a crime. Allah also teaches us through the tongue of our Prophet وسلم, that the gravity of one murder is such that it can shift societies. And in that case, the one who sets the trend is responsible for everything that arises out of that trend. And that's why the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, peace be upon him, he said that no one commits murder except that the first murderer, being the brother in Qabil and Habil, has a share of that evil because of, again, because of how, because he's the first one to normalize murder. And so anytime anyone kills, a share of that evil goes to the first killer. Because there is a there's a trend that is set then. It sets off something that uh, that ends up becoming much larger than its initial occurrence. And so there's this idea, subhanAllah, of the gravity of one murder, the sanctity of one life, and the gravity of one murder, and how that should cause a society to pause and to reflect on where we have come. Now, in the case of police brutality, of course, this isn't just one murder. There are uh, thousands of hashtags at this point. And before hashtags were a thing, there were thousands of victims of the same nature, the same type of murder. So, you know, how does the Quran talk about this idea of justice and this idea of the presence of justice for the victim? Not just dealing with, obviously, the, uh, the spiritual disease of racism and then what that manifests itself in. 
in in terms of of, of the uh, the systemic oppression of a people on the basis of their color and everything that comes out of that. But you know, life that exists or life that comes out of a presence of justice. What happens in a society when justice is there? A frequent statement from Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَيُقِيمُ الدَّوْلَةِ الْعَادِلَ وَإِنْ كَانَتْ كَافِرَ وَيَهْدِمُ الدَّوْلَةِ الظَّالِمَ وَإِنْ كَانَتْ مُسْلِمَ That Allah would, would uphold a just nation even if that nation was a disbelieving nation. And Allah would destroy an oppressive nation even if that nation was a Muslim nation. Um, there's something to be said about the presence of justice in a society and what that does to a society. And particularly one element of justice which is empowering the victims of injustice empowering the victims of injustice, which sends a clear message to future aggressors and oppressors, current and future aggressors and oppressors, and also establishes a system where people who have been wronged consistently, a people that have been wronged consistently, have a, a, a legal mechanism to be able to go forth and to, uh, to attain justice. Now, uh, in Islam, that was called qisas. That's called qisas, which is um, retribution, the legal retribution that exists when uh, when a life is taken. And so in, in the case of qisas, uh, the, the, the plaintiff, the victim is the plaintiff, and of course, or the, the family of the victim is the plaintiff, and the plaintiff is actually the one that has the authority of retribution, right, to decide what to do with the one that has taken the life of their loved one and to uh, to choose without being pressured in a way that, you know, or, or it cannot be a superficial choice, right? We see this happen all the time where uh, in the name of Qisas, you know, uh, you, have, you have a state that would pressure a family to forgive the killers, to forgive the murderers because uh, that would cover the state, right? No, this is a pure idea of Qisas that exists in the Quran where the family actually has the right to, uh, to decide the fate of the one that took their loved one. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about this, uh, And this is what I want to focus on, the, the spiritual part of this, that you have life in legal retribution, that there is that there is hayat, that there is life in the presence of justice, a mechanism of justice for the family of those that have been wronged. Uh, o people of understanding that you may become righteous. Now, this is a very specific wording that we find in this verse. That you have in, in the presence of a system that would allow for a person to, to, that would allow for the family of the victims to actually have rights, to have the legal rights to pursue justice. That there is life in that. And the way that scholars traditionally dealt with this, um, so you read the tafsir of this ayah, one tafsir of it, which the scholars mention, is that uh, if a killer knows that there would be retribution for their killing, then that person would think before they murder, and so they would hold back, they would hold themselves back from killing. And in the case of that, al-hayat here, you know, life that's preserved, the traditional scholars, uh, or, or traditionally you'll find in the tafsir, they'll say that hayat, in that the life of the murdered and the one, the potential murderer, the potential murderer and the potential murdered is saved because the presence of justice, the presence of a system that would deter someone from killing, that would hold someone back from killing, gives life to the, the one that was going to be killed and the person 
who would have taken that life and then suffered the consequences of that. And so Qisas prevents, right, the, the, the empowering of the plaintiff, the empowering of the victim's family prevents that. And Qisas would be applied not in a way that if a person, you know, one of the things that Islam came to do away with was tribalism, right? So it didn't matter if you be- belong to Banu Makhzum, uh, which was one of the more powerful tribes of Mecca, or if you belonged to uh, to no tribe at all, right? The idea was that Qisas would be established in a way that it would deter a person from killing because they knew that there was going to be a system of accountability. And in the process of that, that's why you'll find the statement of Imam Hassan Basri, rahimahullah, the life of the potential murderer and the life of the potential murdered one is, is saved. But there's a societal element to this as well that goes beyond just the case of that person because we said there's the gravity of one murder and the sanctity of one life. And subhanAllah, there's a very beautiful discourse uh, Sheikh Yasser Fahmi had shared this uh, this quote from Muhammad Abu Zahra, uh, rahimahullah ta'ala, where he talked about a dignified existence. That life here is not just talking about the presence of people being able to to to, lead, to live and to breathe, but it's speaking about the idea of a dignified existence. That a society in which uh, lives are sanctified, in which there is proper recourse when murder takes place, that gives that society a sense of, of a noble life, a, a dignified existence, a dignified societal life. And when those mechanisms are not there, then they die as a society due to injustice, the presence of bulm, the cloud of bulm and injustice that ends up covering that entire society. And so it's not just the life of one person that's saved, but it is what ends up taking place of the of of, uh, of of murder that spreads throughout the land, because there is no recourse, because there are clear double standards, and particularly the worst type here is when the state itself, when when the the authority which is supposed to be in a place of holding accountable is what needs to be held accountable because of the constant murder that's coming from that singular place, and so Muhammad Abu Zahra rahimullah. Uh, spoke about this from a, from a societal perspective, that there is life in society, that there is haya in society. When there is a legal recourse uh, you know, for uh, these types of actions, because it doesn't allow murder to go unchecked and turyan, uh, vulm, oppression, and these types of things to go unchecked. And I want us to think about this because it's very important for us to be self-critical about where we are right now. And so just think about where we're at in terms of, 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 of history. You know, when you have uh, George Zimmerman, and uh, I don't know where I was reading this um, earlier today, but just about the money that George Zimmerman has made uh, after murdering Trayvon Martin and not being held accountable, right? So uh, I'm not going to rehash the details of the murder of Trayvon Martin, but obviously it was instrumental in the uh, in the uh, the starting of the Black Lives Matter movement, um, and George Zimmerman, you know, has has accumulated. He not only got away with murder, but he accum- he's accumulated hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe over a million dollars, right? But hundreds of thousands of dollars for sure, being celebrated for that murder. And I want you to think about what this what this is like, right? And and it should sicken you, right? When when George Zimmerman, who took the life of that young Trayvon Martin, is able to walk around and be and you know go to conventions around the country and be treated like a celebrity, sign autographs for money, uh, sold his gun, the gun that he used to kill Trayvon Martin, he was able to auction it off for over $100,000. And 
and then sue the parents for defamation, right? And make money off of that. What type of message does that send to society, right? To other racists in society. Oh, and by the way, he also did a commercial with a, uh, with a gun store owner in, uh, in Florida, I believe, who had the no, no Muslims allowed sign on his store. You know, some, some cheap uh, marketing tactic, I guess. He put no Muslims allowed on his gun shop. And George Zimmerman went and did a commercial with him. Allah knows how much he got paid to do that. But like, what type of a society, right? What type of a message does that send to society? Where's the hayat? Like, where's the life in our society in that sense, right? And then you see these videos of uh, the murder of Ahmed Arbery and the lynch the lynching of Ahmed Arbery and what that what that leads to right and and there was something about that video the lynching of Arbery Ahmed Arbery that um that was that was particularly gross because you you just you could tell that the people that were committing this murder had no fear whatsoever of the repercussions of their murder right and had the outrage not been there they probably would have never been charged had the because the videos were shown to those that could have taken legal action in their hands but all of that was brushed under the rug and nothing happened as a result of that and so due to the outrage eventually and you know we'll see where that goes because justice has not actually yet been served in that case but the point is is that there was no fear of accountability there is an understanding that we're going to get away with this and then you see what happens in minnesota with george floyd and the arrogance the arrogance in the eyes of that cop as he puts his knee on the neck of, of, of George Floyd, a man pleading for his life, calling for his mother, right, in his last moments, his mother who died two years ago. And you, you see the arrogance and the, the sense of invincibility in the eyes of that person and the eyes of the officers that are standing around. And you wonder, well, you know, those officers probably knew the officer that murdered Philando Castile in his car in front of his, you know, in front of his, his four-year-old daughter. Uh, you know, who for not doing for, for doing absolutely nothing, right? Philando Castile, who, you know, who who was driving, pulled over, was following instructions and shot seven times uh, in front of his four-year-old daughter. That's coming out of the same police department. What is that? What message does that send to other officers in terms of the the ability to get away with these types of things? I'm not going to go through all of the incidents because there are too many to name. There are too many to name, but you know, we, we have to start to think about this idea of this idea of what the what the uh, the presence or the absence in this situation of justice does to the murderer, to the psyche of potential murderers, to the psyche of a person that does have, a, you know, a, a uniform and a gun and doesn't feel like they're going to be held accountable if they murder people because there's always a way right i mean and we have a history of planting evidence we have a history of all sorts of of ways where people are able to get out of these things what is the message that's being sent right and from a societal perspective to those in authority as well so it's not just the the george zimmermans of the world but it's also for us to think about what this means in terms of society as a whole and then i want to end with one verse here where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَقْتُلُ النَّفْسَ الَّتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ وَمَنْ قُتِلَ مَظْلُومًا فَقَدْ جَعَلْنَا لِوَلِيهِ سُلْطَانًا فَلَا يُسْرِفْ فِي الْقَتْلِ إِنَّهُ كَانَ مَنْصُورًا This is a verse in Surah Al-Isra. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and I'm going to read it again very slowly, وَلَا تَقْتُلُ النَّفْسَ الَّتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ And do not kill the soul 
that God has forbidden except injustice. وَمَنْ قُتِلَ مَظْلُومًا And so whoever is killed unjustly, then we have given فَقَدْ جَعَلْنَا لِوَلِيهِ سُلْطَانًا We have given to the family or to, to, to the inheritor or to whoever is left to represent that person that's been killed, we have given them sultana. SubhanAllah, we've given them authority. We've given them authority. They're in a place of power. They're in a place of power. They are fully empowered to demand retribution or justice or to show mercy. The mercy should not be weaponized the way that it was here in Dallas. The, the, the weaponizing of the forgiveness of the brother of Botham John against the mother of Botham John, the, the family of Botham John, right? A beautiful act of mercy and forgiveness was weaponized against the family that was still calling for justice, okay? Here, Allah is saying we have given to the Wali Sultana, we've given them authority, we've given them power. They're in a place of power. They're in a place of authority. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, And do not exceed the limits in the matter of uh, taking justice, إِنَّهُ كَانَ mansura, And verily, that person has been supported, that person has been helped. Now, I'm going to break this down for a bit. First of all, before Allah gets to the injustice and the response, Allah affirms the, the complete authority of the victim, the right of the victim. And in this case, when a victim has been killed, the family of the victim. The rights of them, you know, using the word sultana is not easy, that they have authority. They are in a place where they have authority. The state is to carry out what the, uh, what the family wants uh, due to the injustice that they have incurred. Okay? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَلَا And do not exceed bounds. And just look at the order of the verse. Okay, look at the order of the verse. If you only talk about فَلَا يُسْرِفِ الْقَتْلِ If you talk about the excessiveness in the response without talking about the glaring void of the presence of justice and how that has been compounded over time and what you have with a community that is fed up, that is sick of being treated this way, that is that has been uh, beaten over the head by this so-called justice system for for. for uh, as many years as it's existed. And, you know, and you think about, you know, going back to that verse, that there is life in the presence of justice and death. There is, I mean, it's just society uh, uh, suffocates when there is injustice. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And, and, you know, I've seen many mothers of the victims of police brutality um, and the pain and despair in their eyes. And, it's 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 beyond uh, devastating to watch the mother of a child that's been killed unjustly and and they have absolutely no way to make sense of what has happened right and and you know they're uh you know in the spotlight for a few weeks a few months and then usually the case is dropped there is no justice and the family just disappears into despair and no one is around the family anymore um you know, no one really asks about the families of the victims of police brutality uh, months after, years after, once the case has sort of moved on and people have moved on. No one really asks about them anymore. In this situation, though, uh, I do want us to think about this, right? Like every time you're watching uh, another um, black political commentator, a mother or a father, break down into tears on TV, all right? And, and you ask yourself, you know, what what is it that is making people so fed up 
right? And, and just the, the compounded sense of injustice, which is valid, right? We have to ask ourselves, where are we as a society? And then Allah says, فَلَا يُسْرَفِ الْقَتْلِ Do not exceed in, 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 in the response. So yes, فَلَا يُسْرَفِ الْقَتْلِ is there. Do not exceed in the response. That's there. Do not exceed in the responses there. But before do not exceed in the responses there, affirming the full right of the victim and the families of the victim is also there. And you can't just jump that. Uh, so you have to take the ayah as a whole. And the way that it ends, إِنَّهُ كَانَ مَنْصُورًا Indeed, he will be supported. Now, indeed, he will be supported here, according to the majority of the Mufassireen, if not all of them, um, is not talking about divine aid here. It's talking about the state supporting the family of the victim. That the, and, and you know, so you'll find definitely Imam, the Imam, the authority supporting the family uh, of the victim fully with, without any holding back. So, you know, the way the scholars spoke about this, they said, you know, even if the person who justice is being exacted against is a friend of the authority, if that wouldn't excuse that person because of conflict of interest or whatever it may be, but whatever it is that, that there is a way forward that the imam, that the authority is to exact justice in Nahukana Mansura and Allah comforting the family of the victim by saying that uh, the authority will have your back, right? The authority will have your back, that uh, the state will have your back, the governor will have your back, the imam will have your back, whoever it is. But the point is that you will be Mansura, you are to be helped, you are to be supported in your cause. There's so much to unpack here, but just taking the three critical components from this. Allah first starts off with this, the, the, the sanctity or four critical components just of this ayah. Allah starts off with the sanctity of one person, the sanctity of one human life. And then secondly, and, and by the way, that's important because as, as I said, you know, in the immediate wake of this, and we saw this with Stefan Clark, um, you know, particularly, and, and so many of these different cases, right? The character assassination that takes place after the murder of a person at the hands of the police, the character assassination is to uh, desensitize us, is to impress upon us that this person is not worth your love and outrage. They're not worth you fighting for them. They're not worth, you know, what was that person's value to society in the first place? So why should black death matter if black life doesn't matter? Why should we care about this person? And so uh, the, the, the barrage of character assassinations that happen against the victim after they're dead and can't speak for themselves is meant to neutralize our response, neutralize our anger, neutralize our outrage, and just say, well, is it really that sacred of a person? Is that really that sacred of a life? Right? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says uh, here uh, that, that the nafs haram Allah, that Allah has sanctified the soul. Allah has sanctified that life. You don't have a right to, to say that this life has more value than another uh, based on anything, based on race, based on record, based on anything. You don't have that right to say that this life does not matter. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala starts off with that. And then, وَمَنْ قُتِلَ مَظْلُومًا Allah starts with the second component, the one who is killed unjustly. Then their family should have complete authority. Sultana, their family should have the complete right. The third thing, and then the family. Or, or then the rightful heirs, those that are uh, angered by the injustice, should not become unjust themselves or exceed the bounds in seeking justice. And then, إِنَّهُ كَانَ mansura, that that person is supposed to be helped by the authority in their cause. Here, instead, we find these layers of systemic injustice, these layers of systemic injustice, where you have 
you know, the DA's office and the police department and uh, a racist president and, you know, all, sort, all of these elements working hand in hand with one another to suffocate the calls for justice and to suffocate the families of those victims. Uh, and it's, it's a terrible combination that we have. Now, where do we leave off from all of this? And um, again, I'm going to recommend everyone to pay attention to uh, you know, I think Al-Islah LA has a, uh, has a program, I, I believe, in an hour or so, inshallah. You can find it on uh, their page on Instagram. Um, it's important for us to recognize the, the aggregate societal impact of this and what it means for us and, and to really help uh, our entire society to be more introspective as we are also calling for uh, for, for reform, for justice for those victims. We're calling for, you know, the reform of, of a system that, uh, that continues to render injustice, and we're calling for the rights of those victims and the families of those victims of this injustice. But we also need to be introspective and to ask ourselves, you know, what is it about our society and how do we work through all of these layers, uh, the spiritual diseases that exist here, the uh, the the uh, legal the enshrined legal injustices that exist here, and the constant negligence of the families of these victims, and that's probably the last thing that I'll end on because it's the most uh, human of it all. You know, in terms of uh, the the inequity of pain, right? That when when these families, you know, the family of Botham John, uh, who was murdered, you know, uh, by an officer sitting on his couch watching Thursday night football, eating ice cream, watching Thursday night football because the officer walked in the wrong apartment. And the murder of a Tatiana Jefferson, just a few miles away from here in Fort Worth, a woman who shared a driveway with the masjid in Fort Worth uh, while she was playing a video game with her uh, nephew and was shot through the window um, by an officer. And subhanAllah, you know, the pain of that, by the way, both her mom and her dad have since died. Um, both her mother and her father have since died. Uh, and there's something to be said about the pain that it caused that family uh, to lose to lose a Tatiana Jefferson. And the fact that there still has not been justice served in that case, by the way. So it's important for us to not relinquish these things when the media moves on. Just as when we talk about any cause, any global cause our brothers and sisters that languish as political prisoners in places around the world, whether that's here in the United States uh, or whether that is overseas. Our mashayikh, our teachers, our scholars, our brothers, our sisters that are wrongfully accused and that languish as political prisoners, the the constant murder and and rampage that takes place uh, in in different parts of the world, Uh, the drones that that, that drop on our brothers and sisters around the world, the Uyghurs, the the Palestinians, the Syrians, uh, Afghanistan, which is constantly being hit over and over and over again by uh, horrible attacks and things that are happening there. Just as we don't turn a blind eye, we cannot turn a blind eye to those things just because the media has moved on or just because it's no longer popular. Let's also not turn a blind eye, inshallah, to uh, the families of these victims and to the calls for justice and then wait for another hashtag to say something else. And there are going to be plenty of hashtags all the time, you know, unfortunately, until we're able to actually uh, lend our voices uh, towards this. And we pray that Allah uh, allow us to be used for good. 
and um, we pray that Allah uh, make things easy for those that are suffering in multiple ways as a result of this. Every uh, every family of a victim and every uh, black parent in America that has to have a conversation with their kids right now about this, about what they're seeing unfold, uh, we we pray for them and uh, and we lend our support to them in any way that we possibly can. Um, if I've said anything uh, wrong, it is from myself, from the shaitan. I seek Allah's forgiveness and I seek refuge from him uh, or in him from the shaitan. And if I've said anything right, then it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa sallallahu wa sallam 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 wa